Hello, welcome to the Homegirl Podcast. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and we are going to continue our conversation on knowing your stats. So last week, I talked about the importance of getting real with yourself in terms of knowing the facts and figures that drive our business. So whether you're a sales or a sales leader, there is a number side of our job. And I often talk about the feeling side and the people side, which is really important, but profit is still part of the equation when it comes to really doing a phenomenal job. And so if you're a salesperson or sales leader, um, well, let's talk about the salesperson. If you're a salesperson, you were hired to sell homes, which ultimately drives revenue to your organization. And if you're a leader, you're responsible for managing many communities that drive revenue to the organization. And we talked about getting real about what your obligation is and having some personal accountability towards that number. I talked about how in the Charlotte market, the average salesperson is responsible for $16 million in new home sales. And if you're a leader and you manage 10 people, that means you're responsible for $160 million in revenue. And in order to do that, you cannot live exclusively in I feel like this is what we should do, or this sounds like a good idea, or my gut's telling me to do that. You need some real behind your feel. And what I found helped me be very persuasive in sales and very persuasive as a leader is combining my feels with the real. And I'm going to talk to you about how you can use the numbers and the stats to validate what you're feeling, to ask more professionally, and truly get what you need for your community and your customers to, to, to be successful. So let's dig in. Okay. The very first thing I want to talk about, and for those of you that have listened, you may have heard me talk about my four-part framework that I think is for any time that you need to get a change, you need to get clear about your mission, you need to reset your mindset, you need to take action, gain momentum, and you need accountability and mentorship. So my four M's are mission, mindset, momentum, and mentorship. And so when it comes to knowing your stats, our clear, our mission is very clear. I am responsible for X volume in revenue. So let's just use the 16 million in revenue because it's easy to just have a number of stats to talk about, but I want you to insert your number there. So if my mission is I need to sell $16 million in revenue this year, my mindset has to be I am accountable to this and I have the ability to succeed at this and outperform. You need to have a can-do attitude and you need to realize have the mindset that you have tools and resources at your fingertips to make you successful, to help you shine. Your company is as invested in that goal as you are, which is awesome. I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We think our company wants this and I want that and we're against each other. You're on the same team, people. You want to sell houses. You want to help your customer. They want you to sell houses. They want you to help your customer. It's as easy as that. And so they provide you with tools and resources, CRMs, um, the internet, your contract system. You have all of these tools to make your job easier. Okay. I know for me, somebody who's been in the industry a really long time, it's easy for me to have a proactive mindset towards technology because when I started, we had zero support and it took an enormous amount of time. So come with me on a journey. Let's travel back in time to new hire Abby in new home sales. I was not given a computer. I was given a plastic filing system, which was called my toolbox. And it had in it uh, 
all kinds of manual forms that I could fill out by hand and I could do calculator math to complete pre-qualifications, to complete pricing out a home. Uh, we had carbon copied contracts. We had actual option sheets, like 15 to 25 page option sheets for each floor plan were given to us so that we could manually circle and add. That was part of our original contract. Um, we had duplicate copy, carbon copy, registration cards so that we could save a copy or we could turn in a copy with the contract. Um, just everything was very antiquated. And I'm not that old, guys. This was like 18 years ago, which I know sounds like a long time, but this was like coming out of college. I was working in computers and Microsoft did all this stuff and I went into the work world and we didn't have it. Um, and my job took a long time. It could take a whole day to physically prep a contract and handwrite everything in and manually add out the option totals. It could take me several hours to do a price out with a customer and provide them with an estimated payment. It took a lot of time. And as technology advanced, yeah, my job changed 100%. You know, the customer didn't need me for a lot of this stuff anymore. I mean, our payments are now just boom, online. Customers can do a lot hold online. Some customers can even buy houses online, which is great. So the sales job has changed, but it has time saved so that salespeople can focus on the more important things. And so these CRMs came out of a necessity to make a better use of our time. These, you know, Dashboards and trackers came as a means to save you time. So I want to tell you what the old tools were when we didn't have a digital dashboard or a sales funnel or whatever your organization has that shows you your calls, your traffic, your sales, all of that, because it does all live in a digital world now, which I think is part of the problem with newer salespeople is they don't understand the business side of it because it's just happening for them on autopilot, where those of us who sold back in the day we actually had to manually do this math to be good business-minded salespeople. And it was encouraged. It was part of our training and development. So when I was hired in my little plastic toolbox, one of my forms was a business plan. And another one of my tools was a traffic worksheet. So let's start with the traffic worksheet. Every week, I would have a printed new copy on my desk. And every time somebody walked into the model, I would tally on the day and the time of the day that they came in. So 10 to 12, you came in on Monday, 10 to 12, you got a tally mark, okay? At the bottom of the sheet, I would log any appointments held. I met with the Smiths. We walked lots at this date and time. Um, I wrote a contract with the John with the Joneses at this date and time. Everything got manually written and logged on this traffic sheet. Phone calls I made, events I did with realtors, all that stuff, still doing it 18 years ago, still doing it now, all got logged on this sheet. Then this sheet got picked up by a carrier pigeon that was flown to the division office. Just kidding. It wasn't picked up by a pigeon, but we did fax it, which is just as ridiculous. So we would fax this sheet in on Sunday nights and funny story. Uh, we used to all like call each other on our cell phones because we didn't have work phones either. We did have work phones, but we wouldn't be doing that. We, we didn't have work cell phones was what I meant to say. Like we did now call each other on our personal phones and say, oh, what time did you leave? When did you fax in your traffic report? Blah, blah, blah. Because like they were time and date stamped. So we knew that, you know, you wanted to be the person whose fax came through at like 5.59. So your boss knew that you were still there at six o'clock on a Sunday. But anyway, that's a silly other side story because now you guys have all the security cameras and, and uh, check in and check out. So everybody knows where you are all the time. That was our, oh my God, they know where I am Sunday nights. Anyway, I digress. Be at your model. 
that's the moral story, but that's how we used to freak out. But anyway, so you would fax your traffic report in via carrier pigeon on Sunday nights. And then someone in the office would take all of these fax traffic sheets, have to compile them into their manual report and fax that to the corporate office. This is ridiculous. This is how we operated not that long ago. Okay, so the CRM saves our ass. The CRM allows us to, to take all of that great information and host it somewhere and let it all talk to each other so we don't have to do all this work. The office staff doesn't have to do this work. The corporate office doesn't have to do all this work. So I know you think it's kind of a little bit of a pain in the ass to have to enter a customer's card into your CRM, but I assure you it is nothing compared to what we used to have to do. And then we used to have to have that customer information on the registration card stored in a Rolodex folder and you just hope to God that you didn't spill coffee on it or knock it over or take it home and forget it and lose it in your car. Like there's, there's just so much inefficiency in this old way of doing it. And so these are how the CRMs were born. Okay. And then let's talk about the business plan side of it. So in addition to a weekly traffic report, we would have a monthly business plan. And at the end of every week, I would tally how many people did I see total? This is just like a big number. Okay. So I saw 10 people this week. Great. I held five appointments. Wonderful. I got uh, one sale. Cool. Okay. So 10 people, five appointments held one sale. Then I would calculate my conversions manually. So I had one sale out of 10 traffic. So I had a 10% conversion rate. Okay. We would manually write this out for each week and then you do it all for the month. And it was our way of seeing what our stats were for being accountable to our performance, to be accountable to what was going on in the business. And there wasn't so much exposure to how everybody else was doing. And I think that's kind of what's missing, right? Because now we can take every community and every salesperson in a company and we can roll it up and we can say the company average is 10% conversion of traffic to sales and 30% conversion of appointment to sales. And it, it puts a big brothers watching you kind of burden on a salesperson. So leaders try not to do that. Instead, benchmark each individual, have these conversations with them. And so when it comes to stats, the very first thing you do is benchmark. And by benchmarking, I just say, it's like just a healthy snapshot. Where are we today? This isn't like a, a you're falling short or this is busted. This is just, hey, let's have a, let's just chat about it. Where are we today? And so, for example, things that we measure now are website traffic, right? And you do get that data from your marketing team. So how much web traffic did you have last month in your community? Jot it down. How much model traffic did you have last month in your community? Jot it down. How many appointments did you schedule last month? Should be in your CRM if you're putting good info in, it should give you good information out. How many of those appointments did you actually hold? And how many sales did you get last month? This is your sales funnel. Web traffic turns to foot traffic, foot traffic we try to schedule an appointment with, schedule an appointment, turn into a held appointment, held appointment turns into a sale. And then you can calculate your conversions on that. So if you wanna know how many sales I had to web traffic, you take sales divided by web traffic. If you wanna figure out how many sales you had versus your held appointments, you take your sales divided by your held appointments. And just benchmark, where are you? So I made up, you guys can't see it. I'm looking at my screen. I made up like a old school Excel document. <laughs> and I actually have used this as a sales leader. I've used this with people on my team who maybe get too overwhelmed by the dashboards and too overwhelmed by the funnels. It's a lot of clicking. It's a lot of like dorky numbers. This helps people who are not numbers people simplify, but still have the knowledge of what they need to know and how their business is working. Okay. 
So if I do this benchmark and I take last month or the last three months, you know, it's good to have more than one month as a benchmark, but let's just keep it simple. Let's just say your last month's stats were 500 web traffic, 20 model traffic, five appointments scheduled, four held, and one sale. That means that you have a 5% conversion rate of people coming into your model, right? One sale out of 20 people is 5% conversion rate. You held four appointments and you got one sale. So you have a 25% conversion rate on your sales uh, to appointments held. And then held to schedule, you had 80% of your people that you scheduled an appointment with held it, which is great. Okay, so now we know what that looks like. Now you can identify if something goes awry. So every week, if you take a pause, you take a moment, you be business-minded, you know your stats. If you see your web traffic, model traffic, appointment schedule help, go down, go off course, do something funky. That's when you need to say, pause. Okay, I normally sell a house a week. I haven't sold a house in three weeks. Something is wrong. Let's look upstream and see what may be off, okay? So sales is always... It, sales is your ultimate, what they call lagging indicator. It It's an indicator of what you've done. It is no way predicts what's about to happen, okay? Your top of the funnel activities are more leading indicators, right? If I have a huge surge in web traffic because I changed my pricing or my position, likely I'm about to have a huge surge of foot traffic, which means it's a leading indicator, which then ultimately means I'm going to have a... a, a surge in sales, hopefully, which is the goal, right? So if every part of the funnel above is a leading indicator for the one below it, and every stat below is a lagging indicator for what happened before. So let's kind of walk through that. Web traffic is a leading indicator of foot traffic, but it is a lagging indicator of community positioning. Everybody get that? You might need to re-listen to this episode a couple of times, and I hope I don't mess anything up. I'm just kind of flying through it real quick. As a sales manager, if I have a dip in web traffic, it makes me think my positioning, my messaging does not make sense. So people aren't finding me, right? People aren't coming to my website. Maybe I adjusted my pricing too high and all of a sudden my foot traffic or my web traffic dropped because people who are searching for homes in the 300s aren't finding me anymore. Okay. So if your web traffic dips, it's likely an indicator of community positioning. You've done something to price or product or your USP that people are no longer finding you, searching for you, or just aren't interested, okay? If your web traffic is converting at a normal rate website to foot traffic, okay, but all of a sudden that dips, so people are going online, but then they're not showing up, okay? A couple different things could be happening here. It could be that they were searching for homes in Charlotte. They were really excited. They found homes in Charlotte. But once they got there, the product or the price didn't make sense. Okay. So that could be one of the indicators. Or they showed up online, liked it online, went to come to your community, and it was difficult to find, or it looked a hot mess. And so they never even bothered getting out of their car. People buy with their eyes. We talk about this. We talk about the importance of community position or community appearance because. The website did its job. It told them the story, but something happened between what they read in the story and when they came into your model or didn't come into your model to get them off course. So if you have that dip in traffic between website to foot traffic, it's community appearances somewhere I would look. And did my messaging change 
or something change on my website in terms of content that they're no longer getting what they were getting before, which is causing them not to come into the model. Okay. So website traffic is a lagging indicator of community positioning, but it's a leading indicator of future foot traffic. So high web traffic should result in higher foot traffic coming in in the next few days. Okay. Model traffic. If you're noticing that your model traffic is um, dropped, again, community positioning, go there first, go to your website, revisit your USP, make sure that your messaging still matches. Okay. If your traffic is coming in and your traffic is steady, but now you're not getting appointments scheduled, you're not getting, a, let's just go to appointment schedule. You're not getting appointments scheduled. So let's say I saw 20 people this weekend, but nobody actually is a top prospect. Nobody wanted to walk lots. Nobody wanted to da, 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 da. There's two main things that are wrong when that happens. It's your positioning is off. So whatever you're promoting might be appealing and it's bringing the masses in, but it doesn't match your buyer profile. So you may need to reconfigure your messaging to match more your buyer profile because you're driving the wrong traffic. Or as a salesperson, you need to have an honest moment and say, am I doing a good job moving this process forward? This is where the people part of the sales funnel gets in. This is why salespeople get nervous with the funnel. They're like, big brother's watching me. They're going to blame me. Well, part of it is you. You are part of the sales funnel. You are part of what takes somebody from curious about the community to purchasing. That's a good thing. That's your job. You should be part of that equation. Don't shy away from that responsibility. But if you're seeing 20 people in a weekend and nobody's moving forward and the traffic matches the buyer profile, why are they not moving forward? You may be in a rut. You may not be asking the right questions. You may have had a bad weekend. There's a million and one things that a salesperson can do that can stop the process. It's not asking closing questions. It's just being a tour guide. It's maybe being feature dumpy. Maybe you just were giving off a really bad vibe and nobody wanted to spend time with you. There's a, so many reasons why you could be part of the reason why sale, the traffic's coming in, but the traffic is not converting to appointments scheduled. Okay. So again, leaders, that's somewhere to look. Is it traffic doesn't match buyer profile or is the is the traffic the right buyer profile? Maybe we need to work on our selling skills to help move the process forward and ask people to move to the next step. Okay, appointment schedule to appointment health. This stat should be like fairly consistent to you, right? Like you should have a good sense of who you're scheduling appointment with, with. they're good and they're qualified and that they're gonna move forward. You should have, in my opinion, I think, um, uh, you know what, it doesn't matter what I think because I want you to benchmark yourself. I just want you to improve on where you're at. But appointment scheduled to appointment held should be your highest conversion number, okay? Because these are people you've met. These are people you've talked with. These are people that you've pre-qualified to some degree and know that there's a need and they should be coming in. It's not gonna be 100%, right? Life happens, kids get sick, whatever. Not everybody shows up all the time, but you should, your highest conversion number should be appointment scheduled to appointments held. If your number changes or drops or is not your highest number from scheduled to held, you need a better follow-up system. So this again falls on to the uh, internet sales team or the salesperson in general to make sure that they are doing a better job of touch points from when the appointment's scheduled to when they show up. 
And we don't just schedule an appointment and then just hope that they remember, right? Your dentist doesn't even do it. My dentist sends me an email. They send me a card. They send me a text. Like we need to keep it top of mind that they've scheduled an appointment with us and we need to keep that excitement going. Okay. So that is a salesperson um, part of the equation, right? To be really good at keeping that conversion number high. When it goes from appointments held to um, sales or sales to appointment held, Again, this is 100% a salesperson metric. If they've seen us online, they took the time to come in, they took the time to say yes to the community, your positioning's on point, likely, unless something's changed along the way and you did some price change or some product removal or whatever along their, their process. But assuming all things are the same and they're not moving forward, you need to have your salesperson be... Um, super mindful of how they're asking a closing question. Are they making it mutually beneficial? Are they uncovering and overcoming objections? This is where the sales skills come in. Because if the people are saying, yeah, let's meet, I'm sitting down with you, we should have a consistent conversion or something we can improve on with our sales skills. Okay, so this is how you figure out where am I today? What could be going wrong if my stats are off course? But then how do you use that information strategically alongside with what you're feeling in your guts to get what you need to improve your community performance? So let's take it a little step further. Actually, you know what? I'm going to save that for next week's episode. I didn't realize this is already 23 minutes. So today your goal is to go back and benchmark, figure out what are your stats. Don't worry about the company average. Don't worry about your division averages. Don't worry what Sarah and Jim and Sue are doing. Just worry about you. And if you need help with that, reach out to me. I will gladly, I can forward you this little Excel template or I can walk you through it. It's like a five minute conversation, but I want you to know where you are today. Okay. And then we, every week I want you to see, oh, am I still on course? Or am I doing a little better? You can make a game out of it. I mean, for me, when I was new, my game was always to improve my conversion rates and then to show my boss, look at this. I went from, you know, 20% conversion to 35% conversion and it made me more money. It made you more money. It got more happy customers. Like this is a win, win, win. Okay. Benchmark yourself and track it. And then next week we'll talk about how to use that information to strategically pitch and present to get what you need to get your community successful. All right. Hope you guys found this helpful. Know your stats. We're not in the dark ages. Technology is here to stay. Embrace it, my beautiful friends, <laughs> before uh, before it kind of takes over. Um, you need to be part of this journey for sure. All right. I will talk to you guys later. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.